Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat-Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. What happens when a doctor brings his guitar into the chemo room and sings with his patients? My guest this week does exactly that on a regular basis, belting it out in the cancer ward. You may have seen him on NBC's Today Show, and his patients absolutely love it. Today we're here with my good friend, Dr. Steven Eisenberg, the singing oncologist. He's the co-founder of California's largest medical oncology practice who uses the power of music to help his patients heal. Maybe you can hear it in my voice, but... Dr. Eisenberg is just a great dude, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this particular show. Now, before we get to it, if you're interested in changing your brain with music, you might want to check out my first best-selling book called The Musical Brain. I actually started, you might not know this, as a gigging musician when I was eight years old, so that was my first career. I don't do as many public performances anymore, but it's something very close to my heart, and it's one of the reasons... Uh, I believe that I'm healthy. If you want to know why music exists, where it came from, and what it does to our brains, check it out. You can just look for Abel James and the Musical Brain on Amazon.com. And if you want to hear the music that I recorded with Denny and the members of the Tim McGraw Band, check out AbelJames.com and take a listen to our award-winning album called Swamp Thing. You can also listen for free on YouTube and see some of our music videos Uh, It's on Spotify as well, on SoundCloud. Just search for Abel James and Swamp Thing. You can take a listen. Maybe you're even listening to a few of the jams in the background. If you dig it, check out Abel James and Swamp Thing. Before we get to the interview with Dr. Steven, I'd like to share a success story that just came in. This one is from Lionisa. She says, Thanks to the wild diet, my family is healthier, active, and happy. We started our journey on May 15th, 2016, with the Wild Diet 30-Day Challenge. Three months later, my husband went from 230 pounds to 185 pounds, shirt size from extra large to medium, pants from 38 to 32. He even admitted that he's in better shape now than he was when he was in the U.S. Army. For me, I started at 238 pounds. Now I'm down to 204. I was a size 18, and currently I'm a 14. My doctor took me off metformin, a type 2 diabetes pill, and my blood sugar is normal. Abel, keep up the good work. God bless you and your family. God bless you. Thank you so much for taking some of this uh, information that you've been listening to and reading in in the books and putting it into action. the power of nutrition and fitness and lifestyle, as I was discussing before, to transform your health is incredible. Now, a lot of the drugs might treat the symptoms. A lot of prescription medications are, are built to do that. But when you go to the root cause, when you actually start to change the way that you're living day in, day out, your tiny little habits, that's when things really start to change. You can add years to your life. You have a lot more energy. And I always love it when you guys write in. So if uh, if you want to drop me a line, you can find Abel James or Fat Burning Man on social media. And I always love hearing from you. So if you want to get started with The Wild Diet, you can check out my New York Times bestselling book anywhere books are sold. But if you want to get started right now for free from the device you're listening on right now, just type in this web address, fatburningman.com. That's the website for my free blog and a lot of free recipes. You also, when you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a quick start guide to the wild diet with seven days of meal plans to get you started right now for free. So just go to fatburningman.com, enter your best email address, and we'll fix you right up. All right, on to this very special show with Dr. Steven Eisenberg. You're about to learn three tiny changes you can make in your life right now that will give you a huge advantage in preventing cancer how patients and doctors can heal each other, the importance of love and empathy in medicine, why oncology is not about dying, it's about living, 
how imagining yourself skiing in the future helps you build great health habits now, and much more. Let's go hang out with Dr. Steven. All right, folks, Dr. Steven Eisenberg is a triple board certified medical doctor, also known as the singing oncologist. Dr. Eisenberg co-writes songs for and with his cancer patients through Lyrical Life, recently featured on NBC's Today Show. Dr. Steven, thank you so much for coming on the show today, my friend. Thanks for so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. It's well, awesome. I, I appreciate you fitting us in in between two bone marrows, you said. You, if, <laughs> if you're listening to audio, he's in his full oncologist garb right now. I dig it. Uh, yeah, I do hematology, oncology. So uh, we do some bone marrow biopsies. And uh, we're seeing a, a, a revolution in oncology, man. We're, we're being able to treat so many more cancers and, and cure people. It's a really, really an interesting time in medicine and especially oncology. Yeah. But what I'm really interested in is, is prevention. And mm -hmm. that's where nutrition and health, the best way to deal with cancer is just prevention, man. Yeah. You've got to prevent. Right. And, and so many people fear shark attacks. <laughs> right? What is it? Like six people die from shark attacks a year or something like that. I think you have like your likelihood of dying from falling out of bed is 10 times higher than a shark attack. But when you look at things like cancer, diabetes, these lifestyle conditions that so many of us are destined to get today, that's what we really should be afraid of, right? And and so you, day to day in your job, you're seeing it up close and personal. What does it mean to people when they're you know, diagnosed with cancer? How does that turn things around? Oh my God, it's like the biggest wake-up call you've ever had in your life. I mean, the, the first thing I, I talk to people about is, you know, we're, we're going to deal with it. We're, we, we can definitely deal with this. It, it so depends on what stage and where they are and what type of cancer. But I always go back to, we're going to deal with this and we're going to treat you like a whole person. Yeah. You are, you are a unique individual who just happens to have this, this issue, this bump in the road, I'll call it. And, and it's a huge, it's a pothole, it's big, but we're going to deal with it and we're going to treat you and we're going to get back to who you really are. And then we're going to deal with, you know, how did this come into your life? You know, mm -hmm. was it, what was it, did it have anything to do with alcoholism? Like, Let's get dirty. Let's get down and dirty and try to make some huge changes moving forward. And that's where, you know, I've recommended people to just come and listen to your stuff because it's so powerful. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. But, you know, this is one of the hardest things that I struggle with is getting people there before they need to be there. Right. Uh, and, and so many of us, we go through a life experience that's that's terrible, like being diagnosed with cancer. Or for me, it was losing everything in an apartment fire while my health was really beat up in my early 20s. It, it takes that like reaching rock bottom to yeah. kind of then go explore to see how could I live uh, in a better way. Could I actually yeah. make some changes to make sure I'm going to be around for longer for my family, for the people I care about? Um, are there things that I can do? Because a lot of us, you know, I was talking to someone else today. He said when he was younger uh, as a kid growing up, he didn't know that drinking water was good for you. He just thought, you know, you drink milk, soda, uh, fruit juice, whatever's there. You just drink yeah. it. There's no you know, connection there with what actually happens. And I think so many of us are really missing that. We don't get it in school. 
you know, most mm-hmm. stuff. We, we don't get it in medical school either. Do <laughs> so, not yeah. get it in medical school. Yeah. Now, interesting fact, I worked in a health food store during medical school. You did? Everyone else was <laughs> like, dude, um, you want some no-dos? We've got to cram all night for the test. I'm wow. like, no, I'm good with my ginseng and green tea. Like right. I was, it was, you know, it was a long time ago, but I was like learning about different herbs and, yeah. and all of these nutraceuticals because that's who I, you know, that's what my, my parents taught me growing up that, yeah. that it was, you, you, you're a whole person. And you know, my rock bottom was I was hit by a car riding a bike when I was 13 and, wow. and I did like a triple Lindy in the air and bashed my head on the windshield. And, and later that night, like I flatlined in the ICU. Wow. And it wasn't until like I made a full recovery. My dad took me aside and he, and he told me, you know, you were, you were gone. And I was only 13, but I remember at that time, and this is the true story. I remember saying to myself, I got a second chance Mm -hmm. and I want to do something where I can make people smile and I can give sort of give them that opportunity to not die with their music still in them. Yeah. You know, so I just wanted to, I didn't know exactly what it would look like or whatever, but I just remember thinking I got a second chance and I got to do something with this life, you know? Yeah. And look at you now. Whoa, <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> no, seriously though. Uh, and, and we'll definitely include this on the, the show notes. But when I first saw that clip of you bringing your guitar into the chemo ward and you, you start singing with uh, with your patients, it's it melts my heart just thinking about that. It's so unique, and you know, in in the cases when I've been a patient, I have never experienced humility like that, especially from my doctor. So, I mean, why do you do that? How do you do it? And uh, and and how do people react? Well, they're always a little shocked at first. Yeah, but um, I I call that CPR. You know, I'm shocking them. It's my CPR is compassion, presence, and resilience. Mm-hmm. That's my CPR. So. They're a little shocked when I, nowadays, it's funny, they go, where's my song? Like, they come in. <laughs> right, they expect they, it. <laughs> but, but in the beginning, in the beginning, it was, it was really a shock. And, and I, I've always loved songwriting. I was, like, in middle school writing, you know, punk rock songs to R.E.M. and The Cure. Nice. And then, and then I, and in medical school, I started writing more and more music. And then, and then oncology... What happened was I got sick. I developed colitis. Mm -hmm. I was so stressed out. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating right. I was going to Taco Bell. (laughs) No offense, Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah, if you want dog food, it's great. So anyway, so I I developed colitis and I was sick. I was losing weight. and, And one of my favorite artists named Peter Himmelman had a story writing contest. You would write a story of how Peter's music has impacted you. So I wrote a story about this song that I loved called mission of my soul. And I wrote how his music would bring me, would, would lift me up in those middle of the night calls when four in the morning, you're drawing blood on somebody and you're just exhausted. And I won the contest and the prize was Peter would write a song about you. Wow. And it impacted me so much because he, he took the story 
and made the song about how this doctor was, you know, you know, my mission was now giving music and love to, to people with cancer. Yeah. And when I heard my own lyrics that he gave to me, I said, you know what? I got to do this for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And I never looked back. And then it just was me going out to the chemo ward and doing some spontaneous Adam Sandler-esque kind of funny stuff. Yeah. But then it was more, you know, we would sit down and we'd write together. It was a co-creation based mm -hmm. on what moves, touches, and inspires them. Yeah. And it was just, it was just, it's never about the cancer. It's about what lights them up. Yeah. It's a little nudge. It's a little nudge back into who they are. Like, you get so caught up in the cancer, obviously, and it's and and it's normal to do so. Mm -hmm. But I just want to nudge them into you got a good chance to beat this. You're going to live your life. I want you to remember who you are and that you and come from love, a foundation of love. And that's what it's all about. It's just about loving people and connecting to people. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a song. And for someone else, it's sitting down and Googling next to them. It's listening to a, listening to something together, looking for research. It could be anything. Yeah. But I think it's that co-creation. And you know the power of music more than anyone. No, I don't know about anyone, but yes, I can definitely attest to the power of music. And I can say this, that it's almost impossible to not have some degree of humility when you're singing, especially if you don't define yourself as a singer, especially oh, yeah. if you're someone who, you know, is, is getting chemo, for example, when there's humility all around and you're all kind of joining in the song together. That's something that I have been lucky enough to experience more than other people, I think, because I, I do try to bring that to the party or to the funeral in some cases. Right. But yep. and, and everything in between. But there is something that's so primal, deeply primal about um, kind of revealing your soft underbelly when you're singing, yes. using your voice and also putting yourself out there, like you said, with, with the co-creation idea, with the idea that you're actually creating something real time improv with somebody else. That's magic that can completely distract you from whatever you're struggling with at that point, even the, the, the biggest struggles you could ever imagine. And I think it's uh, it's just so wonderful. That this is something that you're doing in real life with real people. And not only that, you're, you're showing other people that it can be done. Um, it can. It can. And it is being done. And I think more and more doctors are are embracing why they went into medicine in the first place. You know, I really do this. It heals me, Abel. Yeah. It heals me just as much because, you know, one out of every two doctors is burned out. Mm -hmm. That's a 50%. And, and <laughs> the number one specialty for burnout, internal medicine and family practice. Yeah. Internal medicine <laughs> is what you do before you're yeah. an oncologist. Yeah. And ER too. Uh -huh. One out of every two. Yeah. And it's because we're just getting caught up in the red tape and we're just sitting there. We're zombies on our electronic medical records. Right. Beep, boop, beep, bop, beep, beep, bop. You know, we're just and, – and and so it's about connecting to why. Yeah. Why we were a doctor. Everyone says, why did you become a doctor? Because I want to help people. That's the canned response. Yeah. But I really think it's because you love people. Hmm. And these songs are just reminders to that you can you can love that human being sitting across from you, yeah. and you can get to know them 
in a, without keeping that wall of you must keep the wall, the barrier right. between you and the patient. You yeah. know, I, that's what saved me. That What saved me was that compassion that the patient showed to me when I was burned out. And one of my patients said, forget about me. I got a few months to live. Her name was Flavie. She goes, how are you doing today? You don't look so good, Dr. E. <laughs> how are you? And she, I mean, literally, she's dying of lung cancer, yeah. stage four. I go into her hospital room. She asked me how I'm doing. She knew how stressed I was. And she goes, let's have a dance. And we're, she was a dancer in Vegas. Yeah. And we had a little dance in her hospital room. And in that moment, I could feel something lifting, some, some of the stress. And that was another major moment where a stage four lung cancer patient cared enough about me, showed compassion for me, my own burnout about creating this mega practice, whatever. And then I said, you know what? This is about love and empathy. That's it for me now. Just, just, I just want to bring love to whatever I do in medicine and, yeah. and whatever it looks like a song or whatever, if I can just make one person smile a little bit, then I did, then I can go home that day and feel, and, and feel a little bit like I did something, you know? Yeah. Well, like you said, most doctors, no fault of their own. It's usually just the profession are completely sleep deprived stress balls, like you said. Um, but the the other side of that, like you said, if you let the walls down, <clears throat> if you really humanize the whole interaction, at some point when everyone around you is literally dying of cancer, isn't that too much for you as a human being to handle emotionally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you need to, I, I'll speak for me, I need to always, it, every day, create it. Yeah. Every day, as you know, is a creation and and. You know, you got to, for me, I wake up and I just say, you know, touch some people today. If, if there's, there's days where I give a lot of good news mm -hmm. and there's days when I'm giving back to back to back bad news. Yeah. And those days, those are the days where you, where I, I hug people and I give them a little rub on the back and, and we hug each other and we cry a little together, but then we might write a song the next week and I don't know, man, it's, you're right. Every day is like a, you just never know what you're going to get. You yeah. really don't. And, and that's, I think that goes for everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I do is very life and death in your face. And that's why I say, I don't want, I want to sort of shock people back into, into the living yeah. before they get cancer. I don't want you to have to right. get cancer to sort of wake up and smell the green tea. Yeah. I want you to, you know, to realize that it's all very fragile and we can be anti-fragile too, as Nassim tells Great us book. to be. But that's a whole other conversation. But I think just to, just to help people say, look, you can get healthy now. Yeah. You can get, you can get healthy now so you don't have to come and see me. I don't want to see you, you know? No. I want you to get healthy. I want you to prevent ever having to come to see me. And so um, I think that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of the extracurricular stuff I do is about, just sort of helping people 
you know, smell the green tea, wake up a little and get off your, get off your phone and connect with that person right in front of you Yeah. with a little love, you know, yeah. and it's hard. It's the hardest thing in the world to, to remain present. Mm-hmm. It's what the great Zen masters are always trying to tell us. Be here now. Yeah. Ram Das. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. That is the duality of life, my friend. We're already so deep. I guess that's, that's what happens when you start with people dying, I guess. <laughs> but, I know. I know. But oncology is about living, man. It's yes. about living. Yeah. People say, isn't it, the, isn't, it the more, isn't it so depressing what you do? Isn't it? How do you do it? It's so depressing. I say, I say oncology is not about dying. It's about living. Mm-hmm. It's about living whatever time, God, whatever you want to call it, your higher power, whatever you have left, just embracing it, giving it a hug, and just showing some love and choosing a little bit more love over fear. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just Here's the equation. Love's up here. Fear's down here. If we could just nudge you a little bit up here. Mm-hmm. For the time we got left, yeah, that's something, man. You that's know? something, and that—that's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, and you're just doing an amazing job getting the word out to that it doesn't have to be um, so difficult. Yeah, you know, that's what I love about your system. Thanks, it's man. it's it's really straightforward and simple, and that's why. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I happen to be a fan and I, and I turn people to your stuff because I, I just love what you're about and what you do and the music too. But you're, the, the fact that you embrace music as part of your life is, is a big deal for me because you know that a song, a two-minute little ditty can change a life. One of the things I love about this, Stephen, is that that you really focus on the whole human being. And that's what I try to do with this show and, and all the work that I do is treatment doesn't come from or, or preventing illness doesn't come from dehumanizing the way that you eat or dehumanizing the way that you train, putting yourself on that little hamster wheel or you know eating, nibbling low-quality food low-calorie food out of little microwavable containers. That's not the answer. It's, uh, as odd as it sounds, I think, singing with your patience. It's, uh, you know, painting a picture, taking a walk in nature. All of those things combined will make it a lot easier to eat those fresh veggies. Yeah. You might decide to grow behind your house 20 years from now or something like that you know it's like all these things are connected and i think one of the biggest problems in our society is like you don't know anything about cancer or how to prevent it aside from maybe not smoking um until you get cancer and then all of a sudden you know all these different things that you should have done um and everything on the internet that's trying to uh you know i love what you said and and i think I think the wild diet, I think writing a patient, writing a song with the patient is rehumanizing. Right. It's rehumanizing. You're, you're putting that connection first, man. And you're just letting the world know that, that we're in this game. We're in this. We're going to play this game together. Yeah. And we're in this, man. We're going to we're going to do what it takes and yeah. we're going to be we're going to love each other during the process. Mm-hmm. I try to, you know, I tell them I'm going to talk to you like you're my little sister. Yeah. When I talk to my breast cancer patients, I'm going to talk to you like you're my little sister and uh, your brother just happens to be an oncologist. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, come at you like I'm this 
big bad doctor. It's, yeah. You know, let's just talk like we're related and we love each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's and 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 that's what I think that does get you back to nature mm-hmm. and eating real food and moving your body a little. Yeah. You know, right? Right. What would you say are, are some things that people might not realize that they should be doing right now uh, in order to make sure they don't wind up with cancer someday? That's a, that, that's the billion-dollar question. Obviously, you've already touched on it. Do whatever it takes. Yeah. Do whatever it takes to stop smoking. Yeah. Um, and uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge proponent of meditation. I will, if I'm not writing a song with you, I'm sitting next to you doing a little mindfulness practice with wow, you. cool. In the room. Yeah. Because that stress, stress, 90% of doctor visits are stress-related. Right. How many of your guests have already said that? Yeah. It's so true. true. And I think, I think the number one thing we can do is meditate and move your body a little each day. And actually... Cruciferous vegetables. I don't have to tell you this, man. You are no, but tell them. <laughs> you are the fat burning man. I but you're like, an you know, oncologist. Broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Eat some broccoli. Work up a teeny little bit of sweat for like 10, 15 minutes, and meditate. If you do those three things, you are so far ahead of the of the world in cancer prevention. Mm-hmm. And you know, just a little more broccoli. Here's the formula. A little more broccoli, a little less, you know, sugar, meat, smoking, fructose, corn syrup, yeah. a little more love, a little less fear, mm-hmm. a little more meditation, a little less Netflix. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, nothing. You know what I mean? Just, yes, of course. Just going inside and and it's gentle nudging. Mm-hmm. It's the littlest teeny little teeny one percent shifts. Yeah. Uh, because if you try and say, I am, go- I am going to meditate an hour a day, yeah. every single day for the rest of my life, two days later, you're like, screw that. Right. You know? Yeah. That's also not really the meditative mindset that you need. You don't really do meditation. You undo it. Right. right. And, and, and one of the problems with our society today is that we're all wrapped up in stress that's unprecedented for for our minds and the way that they're wired where we come from. I mean, the idea that we're accessible every minute of the day. I don't have to tell you this. You're a doctor. But by all of this technology that at any moment could explode with the oh, worst yeah. advice ever, that's that's really new. And the idea that we don't have a free moment even to stand in line at a store anymore, let alone go fishing, we don't have that, that silence that would have been meditation, even yes. if we didn't call it that in years yeah. gone by. What do you think it is about meditation in particular that helps so much? Is it engaging the parasympathetic? Is it just the idea that you're kind of getting out of your own head and getting away from some of those stressors so your body can relax? So what's doing the trick? Yeah, it's absolutely your brain. It's the neurochemicals. It's been proven in functional MRIs and functional PETs that when you meditate, you're, you are lighting up parts of your brain mm-hmm. that are not typically lit up. And I love the study where they scanned the brains of meditating monks. Mm-hmm. And they had all these crazy, amazing lighting up areas. And 
And those are, those are neurochemicals, those are um, helping you decrease cortisol, helping you with um, stress levels, you're getting parasympathetic, you're sleeping better. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, we, all of our friends are talking about sleep and how important it is and that we gotta get off these blue light machines. Yeah. But it's all connected otherwise. And it all starts up here. I really, I really think, you know, the brain-heart connection, the brain-body connection, mind-body medicine, it's all connected. And I think it has to start up here. Yeah. It has to start up here. And so when you just lower the stress, lower the cortisol, lower those those hormones, you know, you're starting to get into the psychoneuroimmunology territory, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a field I'm I've been very fascinated in one of the first books I got when I went into oncology was the psycho neuroimmunology of cancer. Wow. And I, it was cool. It was just a book of all these cool studies about how our thoughts and our feelings affect our immune system and how our immune system can be lowered by, you know, these, you know, our thoughts and our brains and, mm -hmm. and, and how that could, you know, lower your defenses yeah and and now we're discovering that immunotherapy is the latest craze in oncology right we're 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 treating patients with stage four melanoma with immunotherapy we're we give them a dose of this medication it primes their immune system and now their immune system is stronger and they can make these melanomas melt away in many cases stage yeah. four wow so it's it goes back to the immune system, which yeah. is your psychoneuroimmunology, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. And that's a little bit more love, a little bit less fear. <laughs> right. it's, it's all connected. And I say that I, I have a little formula that, I, that I, I'm working on. Love over fear. Mm -hmm. And it's listen, observe, verbalize, and empathize instead of force, escape, attack, and react. <laughs> so you listen mm -hmm. instead of force. Yep. You observe your body rather than escape into addiction. You verbalize with your human beings in front of you rather than attacking. And you, and you empathize with that person. You try to get into their shoes rather than just react to whatever's you know whatever they say react 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 right so that's my little nudging listen instead of force mm -hmm. and so that's I, I say try to get up at this side of the formula yeah am i listening am i observing what's going on in my body am i verbalizing from a place of love and am i empathizing with that person standing in front of me right if you can just sort of look at that each moment hard thing to do yeah. but if you can sort of sure. notice yeah. it's the noticing right it's when you can sort of say wait am i thinking my mantra or am i thinking about tomorrow's meeting mm -hmm. it's that noticing that moment to moment so how do we get into that noticing my my noticing am i am i on this side of the equation mm -hmm. or that side mm -hmm. that's i think the key yeah and there are so many little changes like that that you mentioned before, just to go back to what you said earlier about that just breaking a little sweat. And 
eating that broccoli. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, you know, those those little minutes of the day that you take for meditation or, or a walk or, or getting nature or just de-stressing that good sleep. This is all really boring, pretty simple stuff, but it could literally save your life. In fact, it yes. will if you do it every day. It will. And I, it will. That is that is for sure. And you, and you got to make the time. You got to schedule it in. Mm-hmm. And you know what I heard? I've been a little fascinated with lately. You schedule it in like this: skiing in the Alps when I'm 80. That's how you. That's how you block the time. Yeah. You put your future self right skiing in the Alps at 85. Yeah. And then you go wait. All right. If that's my future self. I am going to eat that broccoli today <laughs> because now you see what you're doing. You're, exactly. you're scheduling your future self yeah. hiking in, in the Andes. Right. Well, Hiking in the Andes at 75 could be how you block your time to go sweat for seven-minute workout. Right? I hope it is. I really do because that – you just hit on it. I don't remember where I read it, but it was in, in something – you know, some psych study I read – Recently, that, that points to just to that, the brain, when you have a goal, especially that sticks out like that, right? You're 75 years old and you're scaling mountains and you're going skiing. If it's memorable like that and it's meaningful to you, then all of a sudden you don't have to wonder whether or not you're going to work out in the morning, which workout you're going to do. Uh, same thing with like drinking water, eating vegetables, things like that. Like one of the reasons Olympic athletes and and celebrities can stay so lean is because that's the way they're thinking about it. They're like, if I want the gold medal, you bet I'm going to eat that broccoli. I'll eat yeah. horse crap if you tell me to because I'm going to get up on that stage. I'm going to win that medal. And that's – you can apply that to your own life. I love that. I, I love that. So you're definitely going to be skiing. We'll, we'll be skiing – well into our 80s together. That's going to be our goal. Yeah, yeah. And you start with that because I'm, what am I, 40? I just turned 46. So hiking the Andes at 76. So I got 30 years. Now, yeah. <laughs> Now that's my 30 years. But now I go, okay, what can I do this month mm-hmm. to forward that possibility of hiking when I'm saying? Then what can I do this week? Mm-hmm. And what can I do this day? And then what can I do this moment? Yeah. So you have that you have that 30-year goal, your five-year goal, your month, your one-year month, day, and then it comes down to this minute. Yeah. Am I gonna notice what's on my plate? Mm-hmm. Or am I gonna be a little more mindful this moment? So it does come down to each moment. And yeah. That's the hardest thing. That's where that meditative mindfulness comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the hardest thing to do in the world. Yeah, it is. But these tiny little habits, you can build them over time. I certainly have. And once you do, you build you build one. You see that you can do it. You see that it wasn't that hard. Even just waking up in the morning drinking a glass of water, I think, is a good example yes. of that. You just It's not hard. You do it. The longer you do it, the easier it gets, and then it leads you to making that next great decision. Maybe you'll yeah. take the vitamins that you know you need with that glass of water, and then yes. all of a sudden you break a sweat right after that. And yes. That's how I've tried to really build my day and create those habits over the past few years because I, I really do believe that's the trick. It's those tiny little things that you do every day. I would pay good money just to, just to like look at your schedule, just to see what you do, what you do minute by minute in one day. <laughs> What you what you do when you wake up? What you do when you eat? What you eat? What you ate that day? I just would just like to see that. I'll one make day. that a blog post. I will. 
I would just like to see that. And then I would like to emulate it because that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm in between bone marrows, but oh yeah, I'm trying to still eat healthy. You know, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. But you're right. The little teeny habits can build upon each other when you start something that you can achieve. Yeah. They give you momentum. Those, those tiny little things, when you add them up, you roll them up in a ball that gets bigger and snowballs. The little, the flossing one tooth. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. That's one thing. I've never had trouble flossing. <laughs> Is that a personality thing? I think, I, well, I think you, you're very focused on your white choppers because they're, they're <laughs> very, they look like they're very good choppers. But I think, no, I think flossing has been proven to extend your life in a right. by years. Yeah. But a lot of people, I think, just don't want, yeah, I, I just think they need to start with one yeah. and say, look, I can do this. Right. Well, I can say when you're, when you're physically exercising, that can be very powerful, just doing one simple exercise that day. That's, that's one thing that I'll do, a seven-minute workout, just push-ups. Or even one set of something, kettlebells. Is the push-up the one thing that you would do if you could have one exercise? If you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, would it, what would it be? It's a tie for sprinting and burpees. Sprinting and burpees. Yeah, it's a tie. Oh, got it. Got be- it. Because each got of it. those challenges your body to the, the utmost in various ways. It's a full-body workout. You break a sweat. You get that hormonal response. Yeah. And that will allow you to hike a mountain well into your 80s. If you yeah. can run without injury or, or do burpees or something else, that's a whole body exercise. You know what I'm going to do today because of you? Yeah. I am going to schedule in my calendar skiing with Abel in our 80s. Yes. And that is going to be my reminder on my calendar to do burpees today. Awesome. I'll only be in my 70s. So you'll have to do it in <laughs> your, your 90s, I think, if I'm going to be in my 80s. <laughs> I'll be 90. Where do you want to go, Vail? I don't know. No, let's go somewhere abroad. I think let's let's yeah. uh, let's make it crazy. If we're yeah. even, if the world is around by then, yes, uh, <laughs> you, know, you never know. You never know. But I do you think because of you, in all sincerity, the world is getting better. The work that you're that you're doing in your practice and with the people you care about so much is not only doing that that work literally, but also you're showing so many other people that there is a better way to be a doctor with humanity and to really affect the world at large. So we're almost out of time. I can't believe it. But before we go, please tell folks where they can find you and what you're working on next. Cool. So drsteven.com, drsteven with a V.com is, is the, the home of all things, <laughs> all things wacky oncologist. But no, I'm, I'm having a great time meeting incredible folks like you, man. And, trying to forward a little creativity in the world of health and wellness and medicine and healthcare, because that's what I really think it comes down to thinking outside of the box a little and in your creativity. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a song. It doesn't have to be, you know, a poem. It could be anything, but we all have some creativity inside of us yeah. when you just embrace it. And that's, that's a teeny thing too, right? Write a one-line poem. Make a little one-line, two-line drawing. Get back to that childhood wonder yeah. of that creativity. Mm-hmm. I think wonder is very under... Wonder and creativity, those two things, those could heal your life. Yeah. 
I wonder how I could get a little more healthy. I'm going to get creative about it. I'm going to floss one tooth. I'm going to eat a piece of broccoli. I'm going to listen to Fat Burning Man. I'm going to, you know, just just make a little shift. And that's about getting creative yeah. and getting in the space of wonder. Mm-hmm. And when you are creative, it brings you to that place of wonder. I find, especially with people, I, I used to teach a lot of music and, and did some as community service too. And when you when you find that people create something for the first time, when they play that chord or they sing a song or they draw that, that picture, they're amazed. They're in wonder at what they themselves just did. And uh, I think that's something that while it might not seem like it's related to your health, it 110% is. It is. I've seen it. I've seen it. When that, when that patient helps me and we co-write the song together and then we unleash it to the world, we unveil it to the world, we go to their house and do a little celebration of life and everyone hears it and they hear it back. I'm telling you, man, something, some chemicals are firing in the brain. Yeah. When they hear their life in those two-minute little words, in those lyrical life, whatever, something, something, something shifts, something goes off in the brain, and I know it's healing them. I know it's helping them on their way to, to optimal health, man. Ugh. Well, you are the best. We could talk all day. I'm sure we will very soon. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Steven, and you are the best. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here and uh, love the show and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your uh, week, my friend. Thanks, man. And good luck in the bone marrow. Yeah, thanks. That's coming up in a little. (laughs) Before you go, don't forget to grab your listener discount on our 30-day fat loss plan. In this plan, we share 30 days of mouth-watering wild diet meal plans that are designed to help you drop fat with real food. The meal plans are paleo-friendly, easy to make, and literally the meals that my wife Allison and I eat just about every day and night to stay lean, fit, and happy. In the program, you'll get the most effective method of meal and nutrient timing to best stimulate fat loss and muscle recovery, the truth about how much protein you really need for your body type, 30 days of specific healthy fat-burning meal plans as a done-for-you nutrition strategy, and tons more. If you check it out today, you'll even get a listener discount. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. That's the number 30, D-A-Y-S. Once again, that's fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? Please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you, and if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan, And Facebook by typing in Abel James or Fat Burning Man. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man, winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat Burning Man. 
Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat-burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.